We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? <laughs> we're, about one half, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. And we are live once again. Welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We are here live on Sirius XM. Channel 84, that is the ESPNU station. We are streaming on YouTube and on Twitter right now. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button, jump in the chat, ask us some questions. We're going to be answering them uh, during breaks. My name is Rob Doster. We are presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. And I'm joined tonight by Sports Illustrated's Kevin Sweeney, as well as former Iowa State and Murray State head coach Steve Prohm. We have so much to get into. It was a loaded Saturday. Uh, Auburn, Kansas, and Arizona, they all rolled. Memphis may or may not be back. They went into Houston and picked up a win today. And we have a couple of elite matchups right now on the West Coast that are currently at halftime. But before we get into any of that, we have to talk about a couple of powerhouse teams uh, that suffered injuries today. We're going to get to Ty Ty Washington and Kentucky and what's going on with him here in a minute. But we need to start things off by talking about the Baylor Bears. Uh, they knocked off Texas today, 80-63. to 63 behind 20 points from Adam Flagler, uh, 15.7 assists from James Akinjo. But the big news is probably that uh, Jonathan Chanwa Chachua went down with what looked like a pretty devastating knee injury. There's no official updates on what's going on with him right now, uh, but but Coach Prohm, that did not look like a good injury. What do you what do you make of this Baylor team if they are in a situation where they're not going to have everyday John moving forward? I think Baylor and Scott Drew and his staff have been fighting a lot of adversity the last couple of weeks, I think, with the injury bug. And today, not only uh, JGT's out, you know, for a majority of the game, but then you look at LJ Cryer's out uh, and other guards have been out as well for them this year. But I think when you really go and you look at the injury, and I, you know you're going to talk about that tonight, I started looking at the roster and you start thinking, all right, what's the best way for them to continue to be successful? Obviously, Thamba's got to be huge for them up front, which I think he's – He's been terrific for them. He was great for them last year, a big key to their championship run. And he's been very, very good for them this year. Uh, but I think when you look at them, uh, do they go small? That the great thing about them going small is guys like uh, Jeremy 
guys like Kendall Brown. Uh, those guys are got great size, six seven, six eight, six nine. So though they're you know can play the four, they could even play five. They could even play the five the way Baylor likes to play some. And so I think the staff will you know maybe make some minor tweaks. Um, you know, from that standpoint, but, you know, I think Baylor's used to playing with adversity right now. And, you know, they have a chip on their shoulder. The one thing is they've made great strides from their two home losses against Tech and Oklahoma State, and they played extremely well today against the Texas team that had just beaten Kansas and Iowa State over the previous week. And so uh, they're a game out of the Big 12 race. Um, they've got Kansas coming to their place. So I think their biggest focus is to get ready and get rest and figure out what they want to do headed down to Lubbock on Wednesday night. Yeah, Sweeney, what do you, what do you, does this change what you think Baylor's ceiling can be? You know, we were talking about it a little bit off air, but, you know, do you think that this is a team that can still go win the pack? Uh, I'm sorry, win the Big 12 um, without, without everyday John in there? I mean, he is the heart and soul of that. As much as anybody can be the heart and soul of a team, he is the heart and soul of that Baylor team. I don't know how you replace that easily. Yeah, I mean, it would be a devastating blow if he is, in fact, done for extended length of time or potentially the season. You know, I, I think it would change my outlook, uh, especially because their defense has not been great in conference play. It's been it was better today. They did a really good job uh, against Texas and made them really work for everything. But, you know, their defense has not been, you know, national title Baylor elite defense the last month. I think if you look you know, based from January 1st on, they're like in the 40s national defensive efficiency versus, um, you know, the top 10 where they were all of most of last year. And then in the top 10 for most of uh, this season in the non-league. So uh, to lose the guy who's so good for them defensively, because he can switch, because he can wall up, because he can, you know, protect the rim. That's huge. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, they can go small, you know, Sohan and Kendall Brown have the, you know, physical tools to maybe play some small ball five, but are they going to be as good protecting the rim uh, and rotating in that defense in a new position, you know, I think that remains to be seen. So I think it would certainly hurt their ceiling uh, and make it a lot tougher because they don't really have another backup big guy. You know, Zach Loveday has really been uh, a you know, garbage time only guy. And so, you know, maybe you can bump Thamba to 28, 30 minutes a game, but there's 10 minutes out there. You got to find a way to fill them. And I think it hurts them to lose, lose Chama Chachua in a major way. Yeah. It, it think- kind of ch- Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Well, I just, when you look at Chachua, there's not a coach in the country that doesn't want that kind of player on their roster. I mean, he's the kind of guy, the, the motor guy, the energy guy, the toughness guy, the glue guy, whatever you want to say, there's not a coach in the country that wouldn't want to uh, have a guy like him on the roster. So obviously there's some impact there. Uh, Love day may get some opportunity. The one thing about Baylor's guys, when their moment's been called, all these guys went pro, the next group in line, it's your turn, and you got to deliver. And they've delivered for the most part all year long. The next guy's got to step up, and that's what Baylor's philosophy's been since it really all kind of started a couple years back when when the big fella Tristan Clark got hurt. You know, he was their main guy. And then he gets hurt, and the team starts to transform. And it was a team that wasn't supposed to be an NCAA tournament. And from there on, they've really just kind of adjusted, and, and now they've become a national powerhouse. Yeah, I was about to say that it was the 2018-2019 team, I believe, when Tristan nope, Clark yep. went down halfway through. And then they lost Mario Kegler. And then Makai Mason was in and out of the lineup. And they just had these guys that were randomly popping up that, you know, happened to be Jared Butler 
or someone that popped up and happened to be uh, who else was it? I think King McClure was on the team, but it was um, Freddie Gillespie came in yep. off the bench and he ended up being like an NBA player. And uh, Devontae Bandu, remember Devontae Bandu just came off the bench, flamethrower off the bench. So, yep. um, they that that Baylor program has had a way of being able to thrive in, in next man up scenarios. We were actually able to, uh, we have some boots on the ground in Waco right now. Talia Goodman, who is the daughter of Jeff Goodman and the very clear and obvious media talent in that family. Uh, she was at the Texas and Baylor game and they were able to catch up with Scott true afterwards. Well, first and foremost, the guys really stepped up. Uh, uh, when John went down, that, that impacted us all. Um, he's so likable and, and love him. And uh, obviously, we've had LJ out. We've had a bunch of others out. But John, just right in front of us, uh, thoughts, prayers went out to him. Really credit Flo for stepping up, double-double, career-high in block shots. And it just speaks to the depth of our team and that uh, uh, next man up mentality. I know it's early after the game, but you have any updates on the status of? Not yet, and uh, we're praying and hoping for the best. So uh, uh, hopefully we have good news because we have enough guys out. Our trainer's getting a bigger team than we're getting, so he doesn't need them. <laughs> and Adam Flagler obviously had a great game today. Started yeah. four for four, ended the game with 20 points. Yeah. What impact did he have on him? Well, Adam's someone that's not still 100% and did a great job being efficient and not forcing things and playing within himself. And uh, I tell you, him and uh, uh, James uh, – uh, in the backcourt really allow you to go to bed at night and sleep well. And uh, once we can get LJ back and Dale, I mean, those guys do a great job. You guys were able to take the lead early and maintain it throughout yeah. the entire game. You, you had as big a lead as 21 points. How were you able to gain that lead and maintain it? Well, our defense was really good today. I thought we could test a lot of shots. They missed some open ones, which you always have, but we got rebounds, got out on breaks, we got the lead. And then it's the coach's worst nightmare. Once you get a lead, then you relax, and then you, you turn the ball over, you take some bad shots the next thing you know it's down to 10 points and you're back to where you started and really credit our guys they made it they made a run but we answered it never got down to where it was six points seven points and where they really threatened it was a great Wednesday thanks Thank you, Talia, for uh, for that interview and sending that over to us. It's always great to connect with the the real talent in that family. You know, it, it's it's nice to see that someone uh, with the last name Goodman is uh, is good at this job. All right, I want to pivot because I do want to ask you guys about Kentucky here. Um, Oscar Sheway, man, twenty seven points, nineteen boards, ten on the offensive end of the floor, three steals, two assists, and I, I watched that game, and it honestly did not feel like he was playing at his absolute best like this Steve this dude is ridiculous what what do you do with Oscar Shibwe yeah when the shot goes up you know I watched a little bit of the game today and the one thing I just kept watching is like Florida you got to box out Florida you got to box out and it was Shibwe a lot and it was other guys with long rebounds but when the shot that, goes up hey, you that's all... that's one of those ones where the the players on the floor look at look at the coach but like you try boxing look at, <laughs> look, look, look at that dude you know you almost need to you know uh 
point guard with our with your point guards because obviously the point guard is getting back most of the time on good defensive teams getting their defense set in transition to where you almost want to pinch down or crack down almost so you've got two bodies going on Chiboy. you've got his defender boxing him out and then you've got the point guard sitting at the elbow whose man's went back on defense that can crack down and give a second body on Chiboy to keep him off the glass the elite rebounders you know, one rebound every three minutes, maybe two and a half minutes a game. And I don't know how many Sheboy had, but his numbers on the glass this year are ridiculous. I mean, they're absolutely yeah, ridiculous. And I saw joke. an interview with him the other night. Man, an impressive kid too, man. Big time kid. Yep. Um, I, I do think that it is important to note here that Ty Ty Washington did go down. Uh, he he injured. They're calling it a lower leg injury. I, I spoke with the source close to that program that said, uh, they think it's just an ankle. They don't think it's all that serious. They think it's kind of a day-to-day thing. Um, status is still TBD moving forward since it's so recent, but it's not. It looked a lot worse than what I think it actually is, and I think they got a little bit lucky on that one. Uh, Sweeney, so let me ask you this. It, let's just assume that Ty Ty comes back. He's at full strength by the time we get to March. Um, where are you? Where are you ranking this Kentucky team at this point? Because I do think there's an argument to make that they are playing the best basketball in college basketball right now as of today, except for maybe the team that's beaten the hell out of St. Mary's right now. Yeah, I think Gonzaga would be my number one team. I think, you know, I would be pretty up in the air between Auburn and and Kentucky for for number two. I think Arizona probably belongs in that discussion as well. But, you know, Rob, we talked about this, I think, last week uh, on the show, like the impact that that Shibwe makes in opening everything else up – is unbelievable because you have to commit more bodies down low uh, when, you know, when you're, when you're defensive rebound, when, when Oscar's defensive rebounding. So, uh, okay. So, so, so now that now you can't push in transition, uh, but Kentucky gets tons of leak outs and, and she runs the floor so well, right? Like the way he runs up and down the floor all game and still plays 38 minutes, like you did today or play 37 minutes. Like he, he is on the floor, but his, his fitness is maybe the most impressive thing about him. Uh, because he he plays such a physically demanding style of play is on the floor all the time. I mean, he he's so impactful to to them. So when you have two great ball handlers in Wheeler and Washington, as long as you obviously Ty Ty's healthy, you have guys who can make threes. You have this dominant force on the interior. You've got guys who can defend. You've got bench guys who are really buying into their roles. I thought Lance Ware's 14 minutes today were really really solid. He's coming into his own. He had seven rebounds in in 14 minutes. You sign for that all every, every day of the week kind of adds to their their dominance on the glass like they're they're a physically imposing team you know what's you know what's good about that we we talked about that a little bit with Baylor the the next man up kind of philosophy Lance Ware hasn't really played all that much this season came in 14 minutes seven boards like you mentioned four on the offensive glass Damian Collins the other night against Alabama came in he had I think it was uh was it eight points and seven boards nine nine I think nine points and you know yeah he he came in and made it he had 10 points and six boards in nine minutes yeah nine minutes yeah yeah, so they have these guys coming off the bench that are are making an impact, and I think that that is a, uh, I mean, that's a good thing for a team, right, Steve? Yeah, no question. I mean, and I think that's what Cal preaches. You know, he's challenging all those guys. He's coaching everybody hard, and he's putting them in position to be successful. And Sheboy, you know, 38 minutes, 19 rebounds, a rebound every two minutes. Uh, that's, that's, that's incredible. And, like um, – you know, we just touched on, you know, his ability to, to run the floor and consistently play at that, that level is, is a credit to him. And it's a credit to the coaching staff and the training staff up there. 
Yeah, I, I've made the point before that I think the fact that you only he does the rebounding duties of two people, which allows you to to not send as many people to the offensive glass or to be able to get an extra person leaking in transition is is something that I think is 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 important for them. All right, Sweeney. Uh right now with Kentucky, they are at Tennessee. They got Alabama at home. They got LSU at home. They're at Arkansas. They get Ole Miss at home, and they end the season at Florida. Uh, Auburn does not. That Auburn has an easier schedule down the stretch. Is there any chance that Kentucky can win the SEC regular season title at this point? I think there is because I think if I think Kentucky can win out because of the way they're playing, right? I, I mean, look, you're you're 100 right that the schedule lines up in Auburn's favor, but. Rob, right now I'm not betting against Kentucky anything, right? Like they're they are so locked in, they're playing on such another level, really on both ends of the floor. Their defense has come around lately. Obviously, the offense is, is spectacular. Like they put up, I think, 1.3 points per possession today. That's beyond elite. Uh, you know, that's Gonzaga against the WCC numbers. I, I think would be the best way of uh, framing that. So, look, yeah, I mean, obviously the schedule doesn't necessarily portend it, but I, I think, I think there is a very real chance that on the last day of the regular season, we're deciding this. Did, did you hear that word, that SAT word right there, Steve portend. That's a big word. We're, look, we have, you have, uh, you have college basketball guys on this, uh, on the show here. So let's, let's kind of keep the SAT words, uh, <laughs> to, to yourself, Mr. Northwestern over there, but listen, we, uh, we have to head to a quick break, but coming up next, if you are a Kentucky fan, you don't want to leave right now. I think the consensus is Auburn's a number one seat. Gonzaga is a number one seat and Arizona's a number one seat. And we're going to tell you why, or why not, Kentucky should be ranked above Kansas and be that fourth number one seed. Here, Claire. All right, Dagan, what do you got in the chat for us? Quiet night in the chat so far. Um, so everybody, drop your questions. I, I'm wondering where all those Kentucky fans were that have been, been around all week telling us we're wrong on uh, Kentucky. But anyway, um, let's, let's jump right into the questions. Is Ar- right, This is actually two, two questions. Is Arkansas still the third best team in the SEC now after losing to Alabama? So the first question, was Arkansas ever the third best team in the SEC? And the second question, are they still there? Go ahead, Sweeney. You take that one first. Man, I I, I was – I'm not quite there that they were ever the third best team in the SEC. Um, But I thought thought they battled really well today. Like, I think – like they showed me something on the road, their toughness, especially in a you know, spot would have been easy to to kind of fold out, fold after, you know, the emotional week that they've had. Like I, I was impressed again, and you know they didn't close late, but I, I thought they did a good job today on the road in a tough environment. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you too. I think that they're really good. Thirty seconds. Um, I think they're at the same level as Tennessee, a little yeah. bit better than Alabama. What do you think, Pearl? Yeah, I think Tennessee right now. Tennessee, Tennessee's three. Uh, they're the they're the next tier, and then Alabama, Arkansas is that next year four or five, and obviously really close game came down to less than shot. Yep, taking out anything else quick? Ten seconds. Uh, I'm not seeing anything quick. We had a few come in, but we'll get to them. We'll get to them next time. Okay, All right, perfect. Five seconds here. Here we go. We are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live on Sirius XM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. We are streaming on YouTube. Please, if you're watching over there, drop some questions for us in the chat. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. All of that stuff really does help out the channel. All right. I teased it before. Arizona right now, 
Looks like they're going to end up being a one seed if they don't, don't do something dumb. Auburn looks like they're going to end up getting a one seed if they don't do something dumb. Uh, Gonzaga right now is up by 20 on St. Mary's at home. What we thought was going to be one of the toughest games that they have in the WCC. I feel pretty safe saying that they're going to end up being uh, a number one seed in this year's NCAA tournament, which brings us to that fourth number one seed. Now, there are a bunch of teams that are in contention, but I think the most interesting conversation to have at this point is Kentucky versus Kansas. Sweeney, I'm going to you first on this one. Kentucky right now, five and four against quadrant one opponents, four and oh against quad two. They don't have any other losses other than a quad one loss. They are fourth in the net uh, and they are third right now on Ken Palm. Kansas, they have a little bit of a stronger profile at the top. They're seven and three against quad one, six and one against quad two. They have 13 wins against the top two quadrants. There are not very many teams that have a record that is that good right now. Gun to your head. I'm making you make a decision. Who is your fourth number one seed? I think it's Kentucky. And for me, I think it would have to be overwhelming resume wise in favor of Kansas to give them the nod. If, if it's a conversation given that Kentucky dominated them on their own floor, right? Like, and again, it's the committee's job to evaluate 30, 32 games, whatever the case may be to me. Like if I'm in the room, if it's at all close, the tie has to go to the team that blew out the other uh, on the opponent's court. So, you know, look, I think Kentucky's resume is solid enough. I think obviously they're going to have some opportunities here in the next couple of weeks to bolster it further, right? Like if they can, if they can get at Tennessee and at Arkansas, if they win both of those games, they're going to really boost that resume even more than it already is right now. And I think as long as it's close, it has to go to Kentucky. Right now it's close enough. Again, if Kentucky loses a couple of games, games out of the stretch and Kansas separates, maybe you get in a situation where, where it goes to Kansas. But to, to me, that, that, that game – you know, that common opponent game to me has to, has to matter enough. Yeah. Prom, where are you at? I think right now today I'd put Kentucky as the number one seed, um, you know, without question. Obviously, it's very close. You could debate it a lot of different ways. The one thing, the interesting thing to watch is, though Kentucky has more opportunities because of their games at Tennessee, at Arkansas, at Florida, uh, games like that, even home LSU, those are also opportunities that they could get beat as well. I mean, those are tough, tough games and tough environments. So on the flip side, I think Kansas, if you look at the way they finish, I really only look at one game that I circle and I'm saying, all right, this at Baylor game, if I'm, a, if I'm a betting man, I think Kansas can get the rest. And if they do that, then I think they can take over Kentucky. But right now, because of the head-to-head Kentucky-Kansas, I would go with Kentucky. Both teams in their conference tournaments, obviously, had have ton of success because obviously they've got really great programs and elite head coaches, but they also have fan bases that travel to those conference tournaments. So expect those teams to make great runs in the conference tournaments as well. So Kentucky today, but don't be surprised to see Kansas overtake them possibly uh, down the stretch. Yeah. And it's not, if they're missing tie tie at all next week, where you got to play Alabama, who gets up for games like this and you have to play at Tennessee without your, your best perimeter player. That's a, that's a tough ask because there's a lot to, to kind of work your way through at this point still. Um, well, I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate here because Kansas right now, we, we, we did the math. Out. I believe that they have the second most quad one wins. There are three teams that have eight, correct? Eight quadrant one wins. Uh, Kansas has the second most. That number is going to end up going up um, before the, uh, the season is done. They have enough uh, quadrant one opportunities left on their schedule. They have 13 wins against the top two quadrants. Kentucky has nine. 
Um, I understand that they won on uh, or they lost at home to Kentucky. And honestly, like those two teams are playing on a neutral court. I'm probably taking Kentucky to win that game on the neutral court. And I'm guessing that, that Kentucky would probably be favored, but we're not doing predictive stuff here. We're doing what you have accomplished. And they have two more quadrant one wins and they have two more quadrant two wins. They have 13 more wins against quadrant. The, what would end up being uh, kind of that NCAA tournament team conversation. So Sweeney, how much of that do you think gets factored in into this decision-making process? Like at some point you kind of have to look at the numbers on the paper. And I think if you look at the numbers on the paper, Kansas probably has a better resume. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think to me, again, it's how much can Kansas separate right now? I think it's, it's, clear but not overwhelmingly clear to me i think it has to be overwhelmingly clear that kansas is is the better resume for for you to give give them the nod because again it'd be one thing if these teams had played to a, you know a two-point game and you know sheepway gets a late tip in to win the game right if that's the story i think my answer right now would be kansas but i mean look it was an 18 point game and it wasn't even that close at times i mean i mean kentucky could have 30 pieced and to me like, and again, I don't know what the committee will do. We have the great uh, feeling the 68 show where you can uh, get, get their better insights. But I, I think to me, if it's at all close, you, we got to make sure the games matter. And, and that, that game, that game was a showcase opportunity for both teams. Everyone was watching one, one team dominated the other. Yeah, but I think you're right, Rob, in, in regards to, Hey, if you're, if, how do we judge it? Right. If we're just going off the paper, it's Kansas, you know, when we're talking right here, we're talking, we're analyzing it. But if you're just going off the paper that they say, these are the rules or these are the requirements, then Kansas is your number one seed. If you look at quad one and quad two components. Yeah. And that, that also brings into a little bit of a conversation that we had off air where um, if, if, if a mid-major team had North Carolina's resume right now, we would not be talking about them as a potential NCAA tournament team, right? If Murray state right now, at North Carolina's resume, we would not be talking about them as a potential NCAA tournament team, but they're North Carolina and they're in, in every bracket. And I do think it's important to, to, to when you're projecting this stuff to, to make very clear that it's not computers, it's not metrics. You're not going strictly off the net. There are 12 human beings sitting in a room, looking at a bunch of pieces of paper, deciding which one they like more. And the human element is always going to be a factor in this, whether you like it or not. All right. I want to talk about some of the other teams that had uh, big wins today. Um, Gonzaga, they are currently up. I think they're up 19 right now on St. Mary's at home with 15 minutes left in that game. Auburn put up 75 points. They beat Texas A&M 75 to 58. Walker Kessler, triple double, 12 points, 12 boards, 11 blocks. Per my sources, that's pretty good. Uh, Arizona is down by 14, <laughs> eight minutes into the game and uh, turned it around and won 92 to 68 at Washington, who before that had been eight and four in the Pac-12. Duke went into Boston College and beat up on the Eagles. Sweeney, which of these elite teams were you the most impressed by today? I think Arizona, because we saw again that they just have like a completely different gear. Right. I mean, they are doing to Pac-12 opponents what I don't recall another team being this dominant in, in a power league at times. I mean, they are just mowing through these teams. Right. I mean, like you said, they were down 14 in, in the first half. And, you know, by halftime, we're up double digits. You know, by the, you know, by 10 minutes left in the game, it's completely over. Right. I mean, 
they are capable of going on 40 to 10 runs. And again, Washington's not a great team. Washington was eight and four in the Pac-12 coming into today. I mean, they've they've been scrappy. So I just think it's so obvious when you watch them how talented the, this Arizona team is, how overwhelming they can be, how good their front court can be. And today was just another reminder of of just how dangerous Arizona can be come March. They portended the scrappiness, Prome. Uh, which of those elite <laughs> teams were you the most impressed by? I, I, I could co-sign on Arizona for sure. It seems like week to week, every week to week, the weeks go by every Saturday and you kind of reflect on the week. It's like, golly, man, the more you want to watch them, the more you want to hype them up, the more you want to make them a legitimate number one seed and a team that can play in New Orleans, the Final Four, and have a legit chance to win a national championship. Uh, but the one thing about Auburn, I will say, and obviously it's, you know, it's always Kessler and it's always Jabari Smith. Flanagan had 16 points today. And now if he can start coming along, because he was really the, the hype guy coming this season. He was the guy that a lot of NBA people were, you know, looking at. And obviously he had the injury, so he had the late start. But if they can throw him into the fray where he becomes a legit double-figure scorer, man, I tell you what, Auburn can really continue to – you know, their ceiling can continue to really, really grow. And so Auburn, a great bounce back today, but Arizona is just continues to impress me. Yeah. So there were two things that really stood out to me about that Auburn game, because they were going to be the team that I was going to pick to be the, the most impressive. The first one was Alan Flanagan. Um, like we know what Walker Kessler is, right? And we know what Jabari Smith is when he's playing well. He hasn't played great in recent weeks, uh, but I mean, he's, he's the potential number one pick for a reason. Um, but the two things that stood out to me was, one, Alan Flanagan starting to figure things out a little bit. He was 5 for 11 from the floor. Um, he led the team in field goal attempts. He led the team in free throw attempts. He feel, it felt like he was getting a little bit more aggressive. That was the guy that coming into the season, we're like, okay, if someone's going to be first team all SEC on this Auburn roster, it's going to end up being, um, it being Alan Flanagan. Um, and he hasn't quite been that coming off of the, the torn Achilles. So getting him back was big. The other thing was Zepp Jasper. And Sean Miller made this point on, I think it was Tuesdays after dark, that part of the reason why they're struggling with Wendell Green out there as much as they had him out there is because Zepp Jasper missed the last couple of games. Now, Wendell Green is a perfect change of pace point guard. You bring him in, he's going to get shots up, right? You want him to be that microwave scorer coming off the bench. Zepp Jasper is the dude that's going to set everybody else up. He's he's. He's not looking to shoot. He's not looking to score. He's not looking to create. He doesn't want to put the ball on the floor. He just wants to kind of get you into what you do and get the other guys in a position where they can make a play. And he's back. And I think you saw that a little bit with their offense. And you saw that a little bit with why they were able to push out to a 15-point lead at halftime. Um, so getting those two guys back in the mix, to me, is what takes Auburn from being – like I know the number one team in the country, whatever. I think that those two guys are what takes them to – that next uh, level, so to speak. So um, I was, uh, look, Auburn, I know that they lost to, to Arkansas. Yeah. Bayville's never an easy place to play, but I was really impressed with this Auburn team was today. Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, as good as Kentucky's playing, I still don't know if they can catch Auburn because of the way the schedules fold for both teams. I just, I just don't know if I see Auburn losing another game. It's hard to win in Bud Walton. Auburn had their chances down the stretch. Um, I just, Auburn has been terrific all year. Yeah, you know what I, you know what I hate, Steve. I, I don't mean to cut you off, Steve. You know no, what I good. hate. Wendell Green did this at the end of a game today, and we saw JD Note do it at the end of a game um, at Alabama for Arkansas, and we saw um, Jared Byam do it at the end of a game uh, at the end of regulation for Providence in their win over DePaul. Why, why, why did we just go one four 
high. And then these dudes just settle for step back 28 footers. Like, well, that's, why? Why? Go, go to the basket. Yeah, I think go that's get, the one thing. Foul. Yeah. Make a play. Yeah. I think that's the one thing. And I was going to say that in the Auburn game. You know, it's that's the one thing is, you know, Arkansas is an unbelievable place to play. And we saw that the other night. But Auburn had their chances. And then, like you said, they had the ball, 10 seconds to go, you know, and they get a, you know, a tough deep three to win the game. Uh, you know, it looks great if it goes in, but, you know, put pressure on the rim. Just like we talked about, you got Kessler on the backside to clean up a miss. You got Jabari Smith. You know, that's the one thing about like Sheboy. How do you stay, get rebound? You got to stay out of rotation against Kentucky. So your big guys aren't coming over to help. But yeah, you, you hopefully, especially if you're in the bonus, double bonus, get a paint touch, put pressure on the rim, play drive and kick or drop it off to somebody and hopefully be able to get something easier. But, you know, that's the one thing. Auburn, that's one loss. They're, they're, they're fine. I still think they won't be the number one team ranking wise on Monday. Uh, you know, Gonzaga will be that, I believe, but I still wouldn't bet against Auburn. Yeah, my yeah, 10 so yeah. second, my 10 second take, Rob, was just going to be that if you believed Auburn was the best team in the country before the Arkansas game, I don't think that game should have changed your mind. Now, yeah, maybe you well, change your mind because I, I, of Georgia. I do, have, I, do, I do have one question real quick. Was sure. So you said that this was just the second loss of the season for Auburn, right? Who who was the first team to beat them? Oh, man, here we go. Do you guys know? The UConn Huskies. <laughs> That's right. Listen. Was, was Hurley as upset as he was after that game in the interview room as he was the uh, other night? He was definitely not as upset as he was on <laughs> Friday night. But listen, we, uh, we got to pay the bills here real quick. Uh, coming up next. I'm going to tell you why Memphis is unquestionably and definitively back. You're clear. All right. We got some questions, Dagan. We got any questions in the chat? Anything good? Yes, we do. Uh, here's a good one. In a game, I don't think we're going to be able to hit on tonight with everything going on. But um, are you guys buying stock on Rutgers? Can they actually make the tournament? Sweeney, I know you got to take Man. on this one. The, the metrics are still tough, but like at some point the wins have to matter. Right. And I get like, I don't, I don't think that their resume when I look at it is any worse than a lot of the bubble teams. If you just ignore that their net was in the eighties. So I think they can make the NCAA tournament. I think you have to factor in how well this is playing late. The biggest thing they need was a road win. They got one today, a really good road win against an excellent team. I'm buying, man. Obviously, the schedule is real tough. Home Illinois, at Purdue, at Michigan, home Wisconsin, at Indiana next five. So they're going to prove it one way or another. But if they can go even two and three in that stretch, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I mean, their losses are just horrific, though. They lost yeah. to the, – the, the loss to Lafayette at home might be the worst loss that anybody has for any team that's on the 30. Ball. Like, that's a three – th- yeah. Lafayette is 320th, and they lost to them at home. Losing yeah. at UMass, not great. Losing at home to Maryland, that's a quad three loss at this yeah. point. So, uh, but yeah, someone they, tweeted they it. I I retweeted it. Someone can look for it. Uh, it's a thing. Of, it, it's a, it's a graphic of the Big Ten standings, and it's who is Rutgers beaten, who is Rutgers lost to. Ten all the like bottom teams. It's who Rutgers lost to, and all the top teams who Rutgers beaten. It's bananas. Five seconds. You're nine and five in the go. Big Ten, and you don't get an NCAA tournament. It's amazing. And we are back. This is SiriusXM Channel 84, the ESPNU station. We are streaming live over on YouTube. If you are watching there, please hit that like button, subscribe, do all of those good things. Ask us questions in the chat. We'll be answering questions uh, during the breaks. All right. I teased it. Memphis, 
They've won five straight games. They went on the road today. I know Houston is shorthanded, but they went into that building and they knocked off the Cougars. Uh, I think that this team, the way that they're playing right now, um, is good enough to be able to put together a run to the tournament. Now, they got to win at Wichita. They got to win at Cincinnati, I think. Uh, and they also are probably going to want to get that win at home against Houston to really make themselves feel comfortable. But like right now, this is a team to me that is probably just on the wrong side of the cut line with opportunities to make it better. But most importantly, Sweeney, it feels like they are actually playing better. And the strangest thing to me, we spent all offseason hyping up a 17-year-old freshman and an 18-year-old freshman and the impact they would have for this team. And we're here in February and they're winning because of a 25-year-old Evansville transfer. How about that? Yeah, I mean, Will- Williams was really good in this game. I think they got back to a lot of what they did really well down the stretch last year, which was playing a lot through him, uh, spreading out, Nolly hitting some big shots. You know, they have now the enforcer on the inside in Duran, who I thought had one of his better games uh, of late uh, today. He was really important against the Houston team that just mauls you on the glass. I mean, he did, he did a great job of – I think they won the rebounding. Yeah, they did win the re- rebounding battle, which Plus against four, Houston yeah. – Against Houston, nobody nobody wins a rebounding battle against Houston. So second time this season that Houston has lost the rebounding battle. So I, mean, I was I was very impressed. I felt that the buy-in was there, and I alluded to this earlier on Twitter. I think I think Memphis has had some moments where it really was about to go off the rails, and it just barely stayed on the tracks. And I think the the road game at Tulsa when they were down 15 in the second half after that was the weekend that they had had that Penny had said all this stuff after the SMU game and everyone was, you know, calling for his head and the team stinks and this and that. And they found a way to not lose that game. They, if they lose that game, they're three and five in the league, nine and nine overall. Instead, they come back, they win the game. And I think that's the shifting point for them. They've they, Since that moment, they have kind of played free, played without, you know, played without pressure, played energized. They've gotten back to guarding at, at a high level. Uh, since that game, they haven't given up 70 points in the game. Uh, today they were really good defensively against a Houston team that is known for his defense, but it's really good offensively as well. I mean, they have turned the corner. Now, can they maintain it? Can they deal with success like they've dealt with the adversity? We'll see. Uh, but man, hard not to have been impressed with the effort today on the road against a really good Houston team. I think the biggest thing for Memphis is you got to stay in the moment. You know, I think, you know, it's not, we, we won today and that's terrific but we got to stay in a moment because they're going to be judged over this next week, you know, at Cincinnati SMU. But the one thing you got to give Penny a lot of credit to when, when people are going to get on them, when it gets off the rails a little bit, it takes a great leader and great character of men to get them back on the rails too, you know, and he's done that to not only the Tulsa win you talked about, because that was huge coming back there. Cause sometimes those are your toughest games. You know, the environment's not great. Your back's against the wall. It's a big game for Tulsa. Uh, but today, like we talked about, you know, they talked all year, young and old, can they get along? You know, well, we had a mixture today. Quinones, Nolly, Williams, you know, they combined for 46 points. And then Duran, you know, gets 14-11. But the toughness plays, they hold Houston at 30% from the three. They uh, shoot 10 more free throws. Okay, and they turn them over 19 times, and they win the rebounding battle. You know, that's huge, and they did it on the road. They're going to be defined, though, by this week. This is – it's not – they haven't arrived today. 
you know, and that's, I think, Penny's biggest point. He's got to talk to them, guys. It's about, hey, now we got to be great tomorrow. You know, whether it's rest, treatment, we got to be good in practice Monday, and we got to be ready to go at Cincinnati. Because those are going to be two really tough games for them at Cincinnati, SMU. Can you handle success? You know what was really impressive to me about Memphis today is that they they were up for most of that second half. Like, it, it, they were in control for a long time in that game. And Houston went on an 11 nothing run with, like, to take a five-point lead with I think there was three minutes left in that game. And Memphis immediately responded and scored the next 11 points. They, they get down five. They call timeout. Landers Nolly bangs a three. Uh, and then the possession after that, I think DeAndre Williams hit a three. They hit back-to-back threes in the span of about 20 seconds to take the lead and then score the next six points. So they went from, from basically giving a game away on the road that they needed to win to answering a run from Houston with a run of their own to win on the road in that environment, which is just that it's not, I don't think that's something that they would have done two months ago. Um, They still have the turnover issues. That's never going to go away because there's no point guard on the roster, but I, I, it feels like there's actually leadership on this team. Now it feels like the people in that locker room are all uh, fighting for the same thing and all trending in that same direction. It feels like everybody on the court has the same goal and wants to do the same things at this point. And Sweeney, I can't help but notice that all of this is happening with one specific kid missing. Yeah. I mean, at the, and I, I think it's worth wondering whether you want him back in the mix at this point, right? Obviously he's unbelievably talented, right? Monty Bates is, is super gifted, but if you've kind of started to figure out the chemistry right now, you're kind of figuring out the shot allocation. Everyone's kind of buying into their roles. I wouldn't want him back on the floor this year. I mean, unless unless it's a really limited, very defined role, I think you roll with the guys you got. You have the talent to get to the NCAA tournament and be dangerous once you get there without him. And to me, again, you know, maybe that ends the Imani Bates era at Memphis because, you know, if, if you don't bring him back, is he coming back? No, but he might not be coming back anyway. I mean, I... I think if you've got it rolling right now, you can't mess with it because you add him back into the mix and all of a sudden things could go haywire once again. Yeah. The one thing I will say is this and promo, I'll, I'll tee you up on it. Cause I know that you've dealt with some players that have been um, in this situation is I compare what's going on with the money to what's going on with Shaden Sharp, where Shaden Sharp is currently on that Kentucky bench in every game. He's on the roster. He's on scholarship. Uh, he's not playing. They're not rushing his process, right? Whereas Amani, it feels like everything has been, let's get to the league as fast as possible. Let's try to get him eligible for the 2022 draft. Let's take him as a 17-year-old that weighs 175 pounds and go and put him um, on a, a Division One team with all of this hype and all of this expectation and ask him to play a completely different position than he's ever played in his entire life. And I, it just to me, I look at those two things and I say, Shaden Sharp, no, like no one – no one knows what he is. He hasn't hurt his his stock. He hasn't done this. He hasn't done that. Whereas Amani is in a position where it's like, okay, is he is he worth a first round pick at this point? Like, I there there are actual conversations that are being had right now. You know, I just I look at those two situations and and the way that they've been handled, and I think that one's been handled well, and one there's I don't mean to second guess, but there's I'm, I think that there's people that wish they did things a little differently. Yeah, I think the at the at the core of it, you know, what is the best thing long-term, you know, for the student athlete and what is the best thing 
to put them in position to be successful. And, you know, I kind of go always go back to like point guards and, you know, we've been fortunate over the years, had some really good guards to where, hey, you are a point guard, but you may not right as a freshman have the ball in your hands as the point guard from day one. And that's not a knock, but that's to put you in position for you to get comfortable, to you get adjusted to college, to you to make plays off ball reversal instead of having to initiate you know, breaking defensive down, breaking defenses down, excuse me. And now you start getting comfortable. Now you start getting, you know, some more experience and some confidence. And then as you, you know, grow, now we start moving you over to the, you know, to where you're the dominant point guard and have the ball in your hands as those older guys move on. And I think at the end of the day is what's the best to put them in the best situation to build confidence and make sure that they're ready. And, um, and that's what that's what I think that's the job as a coach. Yeah, being ready, I think, is the key. It just did not feel like Imani was ready for all of this. And I don't necessarily think that, that was his fault. I think it was the fault of I don't know if it was anybody's fault. It's just the situation that we're in. All right. Uh, I want to do a little bit of a bubble wrap here. Um, Sweeney, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, Ohio State lost at home to Michigan. I think it ended up being like a 15 point loss, but that it, it was like a two or three possession game for most of the second half. Uh, as of Last night on the fielding of 68 uh, or fielding the 68 show, Michigan was one of the last four teams in. Do you think that they are still in the field as of today? I do. I don't think this loss hurts them necessarily um, in the grand scheme. I think the biggest thing that they needed was a resume topping win, and they got it this week with the Purdue game. It boosted their metrics up in a major way as well. Like to me, again, they're going to prove it one way or another in the next month because they've got a gauntlet in the big 10. Yeah. But if, you know, if the season ended today, if we were if putting the back together, I think they'd be headed to Dayton in the first floor. Yep. They finish at Iowa, at Wisconsin, Rutgers, Illinois, Iowa, all at home. And then at Ohio state, that is a brutal run in for their schedule. Prome, uh, North Carolina jumped out to an 18 to nothing lead. I believe they were up 27 to one against Florida state at home. Uh, we had them as of Friday night as one of the first four out at this point. Do you think North Carolina is a tournament team? Yeah, I think, you know, and the other night I was on and, you know, obviously when you look at the metrics and the quad one wins, and I believe now with the Michigan win uh, and then Michigan beating Purdue, that became a quad one win. But I just think at the end of the day, it's going to be hard to keep a team out right now. That's in second place, 10 and four behind Duke and Notre Dame in the ACC uh, I just think you're, it's going to be hard to keep a 10 and four ACC team out of the NCAA tournament. Um, and so I've got them in, you know, whether that's an 11 seed or a 12 seed, 11 seed in Dayton, uh, something like that, 10, 11, 12, but I've got them in for sure right now. Yeah. Right now um, they finish the season. They have at Virginia tech and at Duke are the two quad one opportunities left for North Carolina. I think they need to win at least one, if not both of those to really make it so that they feel comfortable on selection Sunday. Uh, two more really quick. All right, Sweeney, I'm going to you on this one. Oregon as an 11 seed in the fielding in, in the fielding, the 68 bracket as of Friday night got whooped at home by Cal. You cannot get whooped at home by Cal. Are they still a tournament team? <laughs> I think they're out. I think the only, like the literally the only thing they, couldn't they, they the only thing they had to avoid doing was lose to a really bad team and not only did they lose to a really bad team they got the doors blown off them at home they're out right now 
Yeah, that's a quad three loss and a bad looking quad three loss. Um, they have Oregon has three of them now. They have three quad three losses and two quad wins. Last one, pro Miami on the road. They beat Wake Forest. Are both of those teams getting in? Is it a seven bid ACC? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I think five right now. I think Carolina, Duke, Notre Dame, Miami, Wake Forest, and I think Virginia's coming. And you know, we talked all season long. You know, can they get two? Can they get three? And as the season's kind of gone on, man, now it's become four or five. And, man, Virginia keeps coming. Um, they have some opportunities in front of them. Virginia gets some good wins. Could be six. But I think Miami and Wake Forest, Miami's got to sweep over Wake Forest. They got to win over Duke. Um, I, I see them both in the tournament right now. All right. We, uh, we have to go pay the bills really quick. But coming up next, Coach Prome is going to tell you about the one mid-major that is capable of making a run to the Final Four. You're clear. You like that pressure I'm going to put on Matt McMahon? Man, I didn't know that I had a Final Four. I just thought maybe <laughs> we'd win a tournament game. Dagan, <laughs> uh, we got any questions in the chat? Yes, we do. Um, let's go check one out. Um, is there any way Gonzaga takes the leap to a major conference? Uh, I, don't, I, don't I don't think, think so. I don't no. think that's happening. If they were going to go, <laughs> it would have happened already is my take. Um, by the way, uh, Drew Peterson just hit a step back three, and USC is up 57-51 at home over UCLA. I don't believe Evan Mobley is playing in this game. Uh, Evan Mobley's not. Minute. Neither is Isaiah. So, Oh, Isaiah Mobley. Yeah, whatever. Either one of the Mobleys. Um, all right, we got anything else? Yes, Dagan? we do. Higher ceiling in the tournament. Ohio State, UConn, or Xavier? Oof. Uh, Ohio State, UConn, or Xavier? Yes. Yeah. Ohio State. I'll take UConn because Doster put me on the show today. Be nice to him. No, I. But no, I, I think Ohio State with Branham. Doster's not Branham. even taking UConn. <laughs> I think Brand as Branham emerges, Ohio State's really dangerous because he has been really, really good lately. He can be that scoring guard for them next to Liddell. Watch out. I mean, if you, the highest ceiling is is the team that's beat the number one team in the country, but it's also like I just I've watched enough UConn to just, fifteen. It is what it is with them. I'll go with the team that has EJ Liddell. Ten uh, seconds. That, that's what I'll go with. I'm so depressed Five. about UConn. We are back. This is the Field of 68 After Dark. We got about 10 more minutes here on SiriusXM Channel 84. That is the ESPNU station. Uh, we are still on YouTube. We are streaming there. Go Make sure that you hit that like button, you hit that subscribe button, jump in the comments. We're going to be doing the after dark afters as soon as we are off uh, serious. So um, I have Steve Prohm. I have Kevin Sweeney here with me. My name is Rob Doster. I want to ask you guys this, uh, Sweeney, I'm going to go to you first on this one. We've talked about 15 or so different games today. What is the one that we haven't talk, talked about yet that you think was the most impactful result? The one that you kind of circled, the one where you said, okay, this was a big deal. Well, Let's go to the bubble. And San Francisco went on the road to Santa Clara and got a quadrant one win. Uh, that was huge for them. They needed to bounce back. They lost to Portland uh, early in the week. That was a really bad loss. Like this, this was a game that San, San Francisco needed, and they needed to move the needle in doing so. And they won by 16. They were dominant. Masalski, their big kid, was huge in 19 and 10. Like to me, San Francisco, I think people were too fatalistic after the Portland loss that it was going to knock them out. I thought they still had a good chance to make it, but. They needed to win at least one and probably both of road Santa Clara and at St. Mary's. And 
uh, today to take a, to, they took a strong step in the right direction with a, a blowout win, a convincing win over a very good Santa Clara team. That was not where I expected you to go on that one. Um, Prone, what do you got? What was the what was the game that you were the most impressed with? You think stood out the most? Well, you better go I mean, with your guys here. You got to go. Yeah, you yeah go that's with your we've talked here. about a lot of games, but I think Murray State. I think um, you know when you get ranked, especially at the mid major level, uh, you you only get one shot at it, so to speak, and so you have no room for error. And you know they played on the road Thursday night in a hostile crowd. Got down big early, came back, controlled the game. And KJ, the big fellow, was, you know, had 39 points. And then they had a quick turnaround, you know, less than 48 hours. They're at Moorhead State. Again, a tough place to play, a good environment, and a very, very good team. Preston Spradlin's done a terrific, terrific job at Moorhead State. They got a legit big kid in Broome. Uh, and they had every reason uh, to lay down and, and not be able to come through and win today and they found a way to win and kept their undefeated streak. You know, they're 14-0 and 0 now in the uh, OVC. Uh, they still have a chance to run the table. It'd be the sixth time in the history of the OVC that's ever happened. Uh, they hopefully will move up, you know, maybe a spot or two, 22-21, and they've kept themselves in a great position to where if they don't win the OVC tournament in Evansville in a couple weeks, they'll still be deserving of an at-large bid. They've got three players – between Juice Hill, Tevin Brown, and K.J. McDaniels, who's had 30-point nights in winning games. And I still think one of the most unheralded players, would, just watching them some this year at practice and games, is Collins, is the kid Collins that transferred from Davidson. He has not played his best basketball yet. And if they can get him playing well, kind of like we talked about Flanagan, man, I think that team can go to another level. But it's a team that's capable of winning games in the NCAA tournament for sure. I think Tevin Brown uh, can join the list of Morant, Cameron Payne, Isaiah Cannon, Shaq Buchanan, guys that have played in the NBA from there over the last several years. I think he could be the next one. You didn't even mention the best part of the day for Murray State. Their win at Memphis is going to look so much better now that Memphis has a win at Houston. It's all no, about the metrics, and that's no the kind question. of thing that's going to really boost up those metrics. Now, let me ask you this. Um, well, we can let the fielding the 68 show handle the argument for why Murray State should get in um, if they lose in the OVC tournament, because I, I, I do believe that they should get in. I think the metrics are strong enough. I think that the Ohio Valley is good enough that, that it deserves the respect that it should get. Uh, tell me why um, they can win a game in March. Why is this team good enough to be able to make a run? Well, I think just listening to – I think you guys heard the other night when you guys interviewed Matt, I think they're top 25 in both defensive, defense and offense nationally. I think they're balanced number one. I think they got great balance, very, very efficient offensively. And when you have great guard play, they've got a tremendous point guard in Juice Hill. Okay, they've got Collins and a transfer from South Carolina, Trey, that bring toughness and energy to the perimeter – and then they bring a legit, legit wing score in Tevin Brown. And then just like those tough mid-major teams, they got an energy guy, kind of like Chachua named Burns, that fills a major role, and he's just okay with what he does. And then they've got a guy they can throw it inside to in K.J. McDaniels. They can score. They're very efficient. They execute offensively. And they're very, very, very fundamentally sound and tough defensively. And these guys aren't scared of the moment. Two of those guys played Morant, Morant. Two of those guys have already been to the NCAA tournament twice, and two of them have won an NCAA tournament game. So the moment's not going to scare those guys. 
Yep. All right, Sweeney, uh, let's talk about Duke before we wrap here. We got about four minutes left. Um, is is Duke – so this is this is the year. They haven't won the ACC regular season title since 2010. They haven't won the outright ACC regular season title since 2006. If they cannot get it this year, right, they won at Boston College today. If they cannot get it this year in this ACC, will Duke ever win an ACC regular season title ever again? <laughs> it's an unbelievable run. I think they're going to get it this year, and I'll tell you why. I think their defense has just been – with the exception of the Virginia game, which was, you know, I, I think I jokingly said that the Duke looked like a team that that partied after winning in Chapel Hill until three in the morning two days before. Uh, you know, they, they didn't guard anybody against Virginia, but you know, in the lead up to that Virginia game, the way they guarded North Carolina, I was at the Notre Dame game uh, on the last day of January. They guarded the heck out of a very di- difficult to guard Notre Dame offense that's very skilled, that shoots the ball at every position, like they have taken their defense to, to a different level. And I think they figured out that when they guard that way, no one's really beating them. And, and I think coming down the stretch, yeah, they have some, some tricky ones, right? They have to go to Virginia. That's never an easy game. They get the you know final game of the season against Carolina. You know, they're going to get Carolina's best shot, especially if Carolina's right on the bubble and needs one. Look, they go to the dome. I mean, they might score 150 points against Syracuse, but Syracuse might try to put up 140 with, with the way they shoot the ball. So yeah, maybe there's some, some roadblocks here, but, I think they have a great chance to win out. And if they do, I think they're going to win the league because I don't see Notre Dame winning it. Yeah. Prom, what do you make of this Duke team? What's their ceiling? What do they have to do to win that conference? I tell you what, the one, when you look at both those and obviously Miami and, and uh, North Carolina are just a game back, but I like Notre Dame's schedule down the stretch. You know, I think at Wake Forest, at Florida State are the two scary ones. Their home games are games they should win. If they can win at Wake Forest and take that momentum down to Florida State, it puts pressure for Duke to go to Virginia and win. I think that's the big big one for Duke. Can they go to Virginia and win? Uh, I just think talent-wise, after Virginia beat them, Duke, if they're dialed in, like Kevin just said, you know, I, I don't see it. I think Duke goes and, and wins these last six. But um, I just think Mike I, Gray, I don't, he's, I don't he's know if they get team. it done at Virginia. I, yeah. I, I don't know if they can. It feels like Virginia's kind of figured this thing out a little yeah. bit. Yeah, right. Mike they've Bray, won, you, they've won. Yeah. Go ahead. Go I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say Virginia's won four in a row and five of the last six. Um, we've been talking, T.O. made a great point um, on, I think it was last Monday, that we've been talking about how Virginia is a year away. Well, now is basically when the guys that are a year away kind of figure things out, right? Yeah. So it just, it feels like they're, they're kind of there. Now, uh, they are at Virginia Tech and at Miami, then they get Duke at home. So if Virginia's going to find a way to get to the tournament, it's going to be these next three games. Yeah, I, I like, you know, Notre Dame, just listening to Mike Bray after the Clemson game, I think they have a swagger about them. Like, hey, we got a chance, man. Everybody wrote us off before the season, and we got a legit chance. We got home games with Boston College, Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Syracuse. And if we get a split at Wake Forest and at, at Florida State, we'll probably at least split for the ACC championship. Yeah. They got to they gotta win one of those at Wake Forest and at Florida State, who uh, it kind of feels like Florida State has, um, I don't know, it, it feels it feels like they're dead. That's just kind of, I think that's where we're at right now with Florida State. But listen, this has been the Field of 68 After Dark. Uh, if you're still around, make sure you go jump on YouTube, find the stream, the Field of 68 After Dark Afters. We're going to be answering your questions. We're going to be jumping in the chat. Uh, it's fun. We're going to keep it going. We got to watch the end of this UCLA-Gonzaga game. So for Steve Prohm, for Kevin Sweeney, 
My name is Rob Doster. Thanks for being here on your Saturday night. And you're clear. All right. We are in the after dark afters. Um, before we get there, hey, Sweeney, let me ask you something. This is another important- vocab question. What, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. Nothing's more important than peace of mind. That is what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever for you to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, the most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that you do or everything that you do online stays online and, and we know that everything that you do online needs to stay secure we don't need to see that so uh you can use nordvpn on all of your computers and devices no matter what the operating system is and with nordvpn's unlimited bandwidth you never have to worry about a slow connection either and plans start at just under four dollars a month so grab your exclusive nordvpn deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code Believe that's B L E A V to get up to 70% off your Nord VPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. Hey, Prome, you want to make some money? Yeah. What do you want me how to about, do? <laughs> how about you invest it in an exciting asset that's outpaced the SP 500 by 164% for the last 25 years? I am talking about art. Masterworks is the new investing app that lets you invest in blue chip paintings from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Andy Warhol without needing millions of dollars. Over 300,000 people have already signed up. Get priority access with our unique promo code at masterworks.com. No, I'm sorry. Masterworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe. B-L-E-A-V. So, yeah, Masterworks, man. You're going to invest in some art with me, bro? What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. We get a big Yukon thing, right? <laughs> big Yukon painting, man. <laughs> no, we, we, we do not. <laughs> Just get dating You think Picasso's got face. one he could sell that, that yeah. he made years back? I would love to see Picasso paint Danny Hurley. That that's I think that's what the world needs right now. Um, Dagan, we got anything in the chat right now? We got anything going on? I just checked it. It seems like everybody's arguing about Kentucky right now. Yes, here's a good question for you. Is Kentucky the standard of college basketball? What does that mean? <laughs> That's what everybody's arguing about in the chat right now. Is Kentucky uh, the, standard the standard of college basketball? The standard of college basketball. I, I would make the argument that right now the standard of college basketball are programs like Baylor and Villanova and Gonzaga where yeah. guys go and just develop over multiple years. That's who's winning national titles. That's who's getting the championship games. That's who's making final fours. That's who ha- who's having that kind of success right now in the game. Uh, when it comes to who's the biggest brand, like who is the, who is the name that most people associate with? Who is the name that you can throw on a, th- a thumbnail on YouTube and get the most interaction with? <laughs> it's probably Kentucky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Like, from the Baylor Villanova Gonzaga, I was talking about some that somebody about that the other day. But when I went and watched my son play basketball today, and everybody in the gym had Kentucky shirts on, you know what I mean? It's just, it's it's everywhere, especially in this area. Yep, yep. Sweeney, where are you at? Yeah, I think the the standard is Gonzaga because there hasn't been a down year. Like 
I don't remember the last time Gonzaga wasn't nationally in the national conversation to win, you know, go to a final four. Right. I mean, even the year they got, got a four seed, they were, they were a team that was in the mix. I mean, you'd probably go back to like the Wiltshire team that was an 11 seed. And even that team was dangerous and just had bad metrics, like or had great metrics, but didn't have quality wins. Like they are there every year. And to me, that is what the standard means. Now it, you know, it is the Kentucky brand. I mean, yeah, hundred percent, but to me, consistent success. Good say. Yeah. I mean, Mark Fuse has been an NCAA tournament every year, but I would say if you were going to pick a high, I would say Kansas. All right. I just had to get that one out of the way. We can, we can move on. We've talked enough Kentucky, these Kentucky fans in the chatter or something else. Let me tell you, Um, are you guys selling Marquette after Butler's win after the uh, Butler loss today? No, no, uh -uh. no, I just think they caught Butler on a day when Butler decided not to miss. Butler is the 242nd best offense in college basketball and scored 42 points and a half. Yeah. And I think Shaka gets, you know, Shaka, Shaka's got him back all year long. You know, he started 0 3 in the Big East. They came back. You know, they had a couple, you know, tough non conference schedule, lost one or two here. They came back. You know, they'll, they'll keep coming back. It's Shaka's personality. Marquette will be fine. Yeah. Uh, they're just, they'll be fine. Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to be fine. Someone just said, is Calipari finally transitioning out of being a one and done guy? They have, they have Ty Ty Washington on the roster. They have Shaden Sharp there. Damian Collins was a top 10 recruit. He's not transitioning out of being a, a one and done, a one and done guy. He is bringing those talented players and surrounding them with older dudes instead of trying to play with nine freshmen. I think that Penny Hardaway showed you how hard it is to play with the team that's built around just freshmen. You need those, uh, those old guys. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. Dagan. Okay. We're coming back to me. Um, let me, let me find the one. I just had it. Um, if you were an AP voter, that doesn't really matter. What do you think? What are your thoughts on the top five this week? Sweeney, go ahead. You're the closest one to being an AP voter right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number one, we will go with Gonzaga. Number two, I would pick Auburn. Number three, I would put Arizona. Number four, I would put Kentucky. Uh, and number five, man. Number five, I would probably say. I mean, Kansas lost this week. Like, yeah, everybody lost. You can't, right? You can't yeah. do it off. I, I guess hard just say anybody. Just say anybody. I'll go Kansas. Go Kansas. Kansas at five. Yeah. Despite losing, who they lose to? Those two? At, at Texas, Texas in a tight Texas game in the last second. Yeah. So what you're what you're saying is that um, that Kansas can lose and move up three spots. Why are well, you? Biased? If I was an AP you, voter, Kansas you, was already there. Why are you biased against the Jayhawks? Yeah, I love the Jayhawks. <laughs> That's why I said about the brand. That's why Kansas, with that brand, they move up. Yeah, there you go. North Carolina is going to get in the tournament with with, uh, with no quad one wins. Now they're a seven seed. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, now that Michigan is in the top 30, they're a seven seed. Oh, they got a quad one win. Look at that. There you go. Proof. All right, Dagan, what let's else keep we it got? Going. Let's keep it going. Um. What are your thoughts on Kentucky, Tennessee this week? Uh, I don't think we can give any thoughts on that until um, Ty Ty. We know the, we, we know for sure. Does anyone watch is. this show other than Kentucky fans? I mean, my goodness. Uh, tonight, apparently not. I think although, although that was from a Tennessee fan from Pro Wrestling, okay. he's a Tennessee fan, so I got to give him. Some yeah, I, I have a question. Can I ask, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. 
Um, all right. So I've, I've, I've recited the stat before. Uh, if you threw out the history of Ken Palm's database, do you guys know what the lowest ranked team entering the tournament was to win a national title on in defensive efficiency? North Carolina in 2009 was ranked 39th. That is the lowest ranked team that has ever won a national title entering the tournament, not, not after winning the title. Entering the tournament, they were 39th. Duke in 2015 was ranked 37th. They were the second worst defense entering the tournament to win a national title. Do you know what Purdue is ranked right now in defensive efficiency on KenPalm.com? I'm going to throw out a wild guess and say 127. Totally wow. not related to the fact wow. that Ken Palm was pulled up on my screen before you started this question. Wow. Is it that low? Yeah, yeah, 127. They are a worse defense this year than Iowa was last season when we all said Iowa does not have a good enough defense to win a national title and make a run in March. Prome, I'm going to you first on this one. How concerned are you about that? Man, I like Purdue. Um, I really do uh, from that – from. Man, they've had some big wins. They've had some tough losses. They'll they'll be ready for the tournament. Uh, I I don't know how much it really concerns me, you know, from a statistical standpoint and number standpoint. Uh, I still think Purdue is elite eight, final four, you know, type team, and and I still would put them in a bracket to make a good run from that standpoint. I just think there's too many games that their defense hasn't shown up at all, and they've been like confused on switches and i mean i think they have some like kind of personnel issues especially guarding point guards but i mean there's just been some games where they've looked confused what they're supposed to do which feels weird for a team that's as experienced as they are i think they're going to defend better in march but it's i i can't bet on them to win six straight with the way that their their defense is played i just can't yeah that's that's where i'm at with the two i i, I think that they're very susceptible to getting beat for a couple of reasons. One, um, Edie, Edie tends to get into foul trouble. Two, they don't really guard. And three, there's going to be a night in the tournament at some point when their threes are not going down. And if all of those things happen at the same time, you lose by 28 at Michigan, right? Now, if none of those things happen, then, then you look like you did against um, Illinois on what was it Tuesday night, right? Like you run people out of the gym. Uh, but it, I think that there is, I think Purdue is a much higher variance team than some of the other teams that are kind of in that same conversation when it comes to being like a top two seed. Does that make sense? Like there's, there's games where Purdue, where Purdue is just going to look really, really bad because of the fact that there's some things that they just don't always do great. I think their seed's going to be high enough from a standpoint that they're going to get to the second weekend, you know what I mean? That's going to get them to the second weekend, I believe, you know, and then, and then some of this stuff may come into play, but uh, I just think they're a really good, really good basketball team. And uh, I think they'll still just because of the numbers, I wouldn't take them. I wouldn't not pick them just because of those numbers. Yeah. So what I'll say is this, if you kind of look at who's in that seven to 10 seed range, like I, I think that Purdue will probably end up being a two seed. Yep. Unless they they went out and win the the Big, Big Ten, Ten tournament, uh, Big Ten tournament, so they're probably going to be a, a, a two seed. But either way, like they could end up facing someone like an Arkansas, who I think could give them a lot of trouble. I think that they if they end up with a team like 
Um, Wyoming, who has a big guy that can deal with someone inside and guards that can make plays. I think that's a tough matchup for him. Um, Seton Hall, especially if Bryce Aiken is back, I don't think would be a great matchup for him. I could see Murray State giving them issues. Um, th- there's a lot of teams in that range that have really good guard play that I think could create some problems for them. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely worried about them in March. I think more than – let me – let me look at it. So like out of, out of the teams in the, in the top kind of two seed lines, I think I'm probably worried about them more than anybody else, except for maybe Baylor, but Baylor's yeah, Kansas Baylor Duke is probably the next two line. You know, those four teams are probably your two seeds. Yeah. And I would say that Purdue's the team that scares me the most out of that group. And I love them, but it just, that, that defense is, is not, it's not good enough. Oh, but we had a turnover. It, so UCLA Tiger Campbell turns it over again. Oh, that was jeez. Did he just he double dribbled? Chat, who in the chat is watching the end of the UCLA USC game? Was that are you guys did you guys see that? I couldn't tell. They didn't so I swear, I swear, I swear Akun Akun Paolo, whatever his name is, I swear he just double dribbled on that wide open layup. Is that crazy? So UCLA for if you guys weren't watching, USC was up three with the ball with 17 seconds left and turned it over on the inbounds. And then UCLA, uh, yeah, right? That was a double dribble. Or no, he probably just dropped it. It's hard to see. Tiger Campbell, man, that's a terrible shot. Um, Anyway. The thing that changed, though, is, like, they're all hard now. (laughs) Like, even the 215 games are tough. And, like, you know, and I just, you know, I do think Purdue could get through that first weekend. But, you know, from that standpoint, defensively when we're just talking about the defensive numbers, but they're all hard. You know, like you're saying, I mean, your second round matchup, you just mentioned Wyoming, Seton Hall, like those teams are really good. That's why it's so hard to get to a sweet 16. I mean, Mm -hmm. Seton Hall very nearly just beat Villanova on the road without Bryce Aiken. And that's your second round matchup. Yeah. Not easy. Well, and it's a neutral floor and you don't know where you're going to be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a fun tournament, and to you know, me, that's and why. you know they're going to root for the higher C. I mean, the, the lower C, whichever way you want to look at it. Lower C or higher C? How how would you call that? Is, if a seven is playing a two, what's what's the seven? I would say they're the higher C. The two is the say, higher C. In yeah. my, I would I would say they're the lower C. Yeah, see, I would say they're lower C. What? What? I'm agreeing here. That was confusing. Is the, in a 2-7, who is the higher seed and who is the lower seed? Is the 2 the higher or the lower? What would you say? I say the 2 is the higher seed, but maybe I'm wrong. The, the what would seven, you say? Yeah. I'd say the 7 is the lower seed and the 2 is the higher seed. Yeah. Problem's <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. That's, yeah. that's exactly whatever, whatever you guys do. <laughs> I'll go with that now. I agree. What you're seeing right now is the the fact that Prome has a newborn at home. That's yeah. that's what's coming out. He's like, I'm too tired to figure this shit out. You guys deal with it. <laughs> but it is. I mean, but those. I mean, look at those second round matchups. Yeah, Arkansas. You mentioned Arkansas. Yeah. Good luck with that, man. I mean, you know, I'll tell you. They, I'll tell you what. Could if, give Purdue a lot of problems. Yeah. J, JD Note would score um, 39 points and then take the worst step back. To win the game and Purdue would advance. Did you see that shot that he took today? Yeah, yeah. You talking about the one he, in the right wing? Yeah, oh. yeah. He got trapped and then took a step back and then threw it off the top of the backboard. Oh, we got a steal, tied up. Oh, 
Wow. Jeez. That was a good look. At least they didn't storm the court. Good job, USC. Good job. We're, we're, we're anti-fun now, Rob. It's yeah, anti-fun what's that on? Oh, they did. There they go. There yeah. they go. There they go. There they go. Storm I it up. My, I tweeted yeah, it last week, and there's been a storm like every game, every day since then. Storming the court is fun. College basketball is fun. Why can't we embrace this? Now, there are limits. Like, No, like, here's, here's, here's my thing. Is if you want to be taken seriously as a program, you don't storm the floor. Kentucky does Kentucky storm the floor. But students are idiots. Like, like, like yeah, USC students have no idea about USC's program brand. Well, They're not worried about their program brand. That's that's why USC is always going to be little brother to UCLA. Yeah. Would UCLA no, would, ever outside, storm the floor? Would UCLA ever storm the floor? No. No. Because they they. But they outside of like, there's like fifth, there's fifth, there's like fifteen college basketball brands where the students are like engaged enough to know that. And the rest of them should just have fun and enjoy the fact that winning amazing games or winning on buzzer beaters or beating your rival is fun and should storm the court. the floor the other night? Who just stormed the floor? Arkansas Somebody? did. Ar- was it Arkansas? Yeah. Arkansas did. Um, I mean, that's a school won national week. championships and have been yeah. multiple final fours. And that was Eric- a party. That looked amazing. <laughs> Eric, 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 A says, Eric A says it's a rivalry game. Storm the court. Uh, yeah, you do that when you're a little brother and you win a game that you're not supposed to win. So all the all the students running rushing the floor basically said is like we're not supposed to win this game. UCLA is a better program. We're soft. That's basically does does, any, does, right does anyone at UCA U, USC actually believe that they're the better program than UCLA? No, I don't think anyone at USC knows a damn thing when it comes to basketball. If, if it's not football or the uh, their cheer. Yeah, squad, I was going to say Lincoln Riley, really but I didn't know if that. <laughs> yeah, was they're all they're all they're all thinking Lincoln sport. Riley right now. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. Um, do we have anything else that we wanted to get to? I mean, if you want oh, I, I have more questions have, over here. I have a question for you guys. Um, Super Bowl is tomorrow. Oh, baby. I want to know what is your like, what's your Super Bowl spread look like? Where do you what are you making? What are you eating? What are you ordering? What's your Super Bowl spread? Because I'm I might I'm going a little bit too all out, but I'm going all out tomorrow. Well, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Loyola versus Northern Iowa tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. And he's staying starts at five thirty Central. So That's let me go to that game. game. I'm going to say uh, say what's up to Drew and, and the whole whole squad. And I will uh, I will leave. I'm going to meet my my old roommate. We're going to uh, order some pizza, drink some beers, and uh, watch the game. It'll be nothing nothing special, Rob. Unfortunately, I don't think that you could pay me enough to go to Loyola Northern Iowa to like on Super Bowl Sunday. It's a fantastic basketball game. Valley, first, first, place, that, first place in the Valley on the line. What is that dance that Northern Iowa used to do? You remember that, what they did, Prone? They used to have that dance. They would do it at the, at the first TV timeout of the second half. Uh, what was it called? Is, uh, if anyone in the chat knows, then you guys are legends. Uga said wrote <laughs> the Icky Shuffle. Uh, Prone, what are you doing for the, uh, the Super Bowl tomorrow? What are you making? Man, what was I making? What am I making tomorrow? What would I have done 15 years ago? <laughs> all, all of the above. All of the above. Um, tomorrow, you know, problem now is when the TV goes on, it ends up going to Gabby's Dollhouse, Coco Melon, or uh, oh, it's just <laughs> or Pokemon. So anything, anything other than Coco Melon, I could do. Like I cannot do the Coco Melon. Like it, it, uh, that is or Paw Patrol. Is, so. 
I could, I could do Paw Patrol. <laughs> Coco Melon, that stuff. But oh my God. if yeah. <laughs> you know, you like, the, if there's any dads in the chat right now, they know exactly what we're Sweeney doesn't yeah. know. Megan yeah. doesn't know. Yeah. Coco Melon will drive you insane. Oh, man. So, but I would back at, you know, back when I was a assistant at, you know, Murray and I had everybody over, it'd be, I'd make some queso, some chips. I'd get a bunch of pizzas. I'd get a bunch of wings, chips and salsa, you know, the quesos and, uh, and then some beverages that are, you know, that people liked that were coming. And, uh, and then a lot of good desserts, a lot of cookies, things like you're that. A, so you're a desserts guy. Yeah, I was, I used to be, I've, I've cut off them now, but I used to be ice cream but i will i didn't do ice cream for those things i did a lot of good the good cookies from in town at the shop so here's here's what i got going tomorrow um i'm making the my my queso dip which is yeah, i make I, a good queso dip and i do that for sure that yeah i i got a i got a recipe i'll, I'll give you guys a recipe you i take need the, the recipe block, wrap you take, you take the, 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 the big block of Elvita, like yep. the big one and mm -hmm. you cube that thing up you take a can of rotel and you got to get the one there's like a fire roasted uh, one that has green chilies in it. You got to get the fire roasted green chilies hotel. And normally they, they come in like those little 10 ounce cans, you get two of them, dump those in there. You get a packet of chili seasoning. You put that in there. You can do taco seasoning, whatever, whatever kind of seasoning you want to do. The chili one is my favorite one. You get a pound of the ground chorizo and you brown that up in a skillet and then you throw that in a slow cooker too. Um, and then what am I missing? There's something else that I'm missing. Oh yeah, uh, a half cup of milk. You put a half cup of milk in there, right? And you put it on low and you just let it sit there in a slow cooker every hour or so. You'll give it a nice little stir. Uh, and, and that thing is going to be by the time if you start that thing at like 11, about an hour before the game starts, that's going to be it's going to be absolutely perfect. Um, I went out and I bought uh, eight pounds of, um, of beef short ribs with the Oof. bone in them. I'm going to throw that thing on the throw those on the smoker. Um, I have two slabs of baby back ribs, going to throw those on the smoker. And I went out and I bought like 50 wings and I'm going to go throw those on the smoker. So the, the, that smoker is going to be running pretty much from about like nine o'clock in the morning, all the way through the day. So who all you got coming? Idea. I mean, you got a lot of people coming over or are you just, no, no. just, <laughs> what is that no. just for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, my, uh, my in-laws are coming and our neighbors may swing by for a oh, while. Okay. But mostly, mostly this is, this is my, my, my wife, my wife, my wife will eat the wings. Uh, my kids will eat the queso and my in-laws will eat the, uh, the beef, but like, so yeah, once you ribs, smoke the meat, you can have a, have it all week. I mean, that's not a, that's not yeah, a problem. That's, that, that's why, that's why I go all out, yeah, you know, I love it because it, then it's just, you have all of that stuff there and it's ready to go. And, and no one can say anything to me if I'm going to eat beef short ribs for, for dinner for the next 11 days. <laughs> I can do what I want, oh, man. Megan. Um, all right, let's get to uh, let's get to our our um, our shout outs and our toast of the night. So uh, I'm going to go to you first on this one, Sweeney. What do you got? I'm going to go go back to the West Coast Conference. Gonna, cheers to, to our friends at Portland. Portland is over 500 now, 13 and 12. It's the first time I believe since 2014 in year one under Shante Lagans. That program won, I believe, one WCC game in the previous three years before he got there. Let me, let me, let me fact check that to confirm that I'm not crazy, but I mean, it was, it was down. Yeah. One in the last three seasons, he comes in They're now four and six in the league, 13 and 12 overall. 
obviously did a great job at Eastern Washington, but that's a, you know, I, I love when we can give a shout out to a, a rising program and Shante is doing as good a job there as I think any coach, especially any first year coach has done in the country this year. Just remarkable stuff. Yeah. Cheers. Do you see what he did? Cheers, Portland. Cheers, Portland. The pilots. Bro, you see what he did there? He made up a stat, went with it and said, yeah, I'll fact check it later. You're you're getting a, you're getting a glimpse into how this media thing works. Just it's a hundred percent a true statistic. Yeah. Just if it's, if it's, if it's past midnight Eastern time, you can do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to fact check. <laughs> All right, go ahead, bro. Uh, Kansas Jayhawks, 20 win seasons for 33 years in a row. The longevity of success there is incredible uh, to the Kansas Jayhawks and to their former coaches uh, and current staff. 20 years, 33 years of 20 wins. That's amazing. So cheers. Cheers. Cheers to that. All right, I'll wrap it up with this. Uh, my my cheers of the night is going to go to Rutgers. They are now 15-9 and nine on the season after going into Wisconsin and knocking off the Badgers. Their last three games, this is what Rutgers have done. They beat Michigan State at home by 21 points. They beat Ohio State at home, and they won at Wisconsin. They are now 6-3 and three against quad one opponents. Uh, their metrics are horrible. They're, I think they're like 94th in the net right now. I think that it's going to change a little bit uh, when, the, the, when everything kind of gets updated in the morning. Um, but they've gotten themselves to a point where if they can win two games against Illinois, at Purdue, at Michigan, Wisconsin, at Indiana, then they, uh, they, they might get into the tournament. They, Six they and really three, might. quad one, they got to get in. That was my other team yeah. I was going to cheers to. That They deserve a bit. Yeah, I mean, they've they beaten, they beaten the good. They, what they need to do is they need to, like, just start playing some random dude off their bench and say, yeah, he wasn't he didn't play in all those games. So just put some, like, bench warmer in some walk-on and say he didn't play in those games. Don't count them. You can't count the Lafayette loss because we didn't have Joe Schmo coming off the bench. We didn't have Paulie D coming off of our bench. Hey, the one thing I'll say too, Goodman's daughter was terrific. I thought in that interview, I thought yeah. she, did, she did a great job. I the think talent she, of the family. Talent if of the you family. were going tournament, man, she would probably get the hey, 11 cheers. seat over Goodman. Cheers, cheers to Talia Goodman, who is yep. the 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 uh, the talented member of the Goodman family. Uh, but listen, we gotta we gotta call this thing before Dagan starts yelling at me because it's getting late for uh, over in the Hughes household. So for for Steve Prome. For Kevin Sweeney, for our producer, Dagan Hughes, my name is Rob Dahlstra. This has been the Field of 68 After Dark. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.